to Ruth chapter 2. Continue our, our Old Testament study through Ruth. It's been a few weeks, so I'm going to give you an overview and catch you up. Ruth comes right after Judges, if you were here when we were going through Judges. Now, Ruth, if you'll remember, we talked about the fact that like the last five books, or the last five, excuse me, chapters of the book of Judges, it's kind of an appendix or a story that coincides with the time of the Judges. Really briefly, remember the time of Judges was a very wicked and evil time. 400 years of total rebellion by God's people for the most part, where they would continue to rebel and then because of the heavy consequences of their sin, they would eventually cry out to God. He would raise, a, raise up a judge or a deliverer who would restore them. And as soon as that judge would die, they'd go right back into their sin. And the sin that they went into is very wicked and evil. And again, we don't have time to go into all of it, but it was a, a time where everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. A very godless time. Now into that time, we see this book of Ruth. And this book is a story, is an incredible contrast of the rebellion that's going on by God's people, going on all around this woman by the name of Ruth. But we're going to see that this woman who was raised in a pagan land, how God delivers her unto himself. And what a miraculous way that he does it. His sovereign hand upon her life. How God used even the disobedience of a believer to bring her to a place of coming to know Him. And Ruth is a a wonderful story of the grace of God and His redeeming work through the the kinsman redeemer who we'll talk more about today, tonight and even more so next week when we look at the final two chapters. But Ruth is in direct contrast again with the People who willingly left their godly land to go into a pagan land, she's going to willingly leave her pagan land to go into a godly land. And we're going to see that her desire comes, believe it or not, from a woman who was not really walking with God, but she saw enough God in her that she wanted to know the God that she served. And the woman's name, as we know from our study a few weeks back, is a woman by the name of Naomi. Now one of the things I love about this whole story is it's a picture of redemption And it's a picture of Jesus Christ all throughout the book. And we're going to see some very clear pictures of the Lord. We'll see some pictures even of ourselves. And we'll see some pictures even of the Holy Spirit and the work that He does. And that's what I love about the Old Testament is that it truly is a picture of the Savior that was to come. The New Testament testifies of our Savior while He was here. And then after the Gospels testifies looking back and and encouraging us going forward. But the book of Ruth is all pointing to the coming Savior, all of which was fulfilled in Christ. Now chapter 1, we looked at it a a few Sundays back, right before I went to India. And I titled the message then, Responding to the Difficulties of Life. And just to remind you that Elimelech, whose name means God is my King... As soon as there was difficulty in the land, what did he do? He fled and went down to Moab. He left the land flowing with milk and honey, the land of promise, and went down to Moab as soon as there was difficulty. He ran from God instead of clinging to Him. Maybe that's the way some of you respond. You go through a difficult time, instead of turning to the Lord, you run from Him. Then we saw the response of three widows, Naomi, Orpah and Ruth. If you'll remember, Naomi was the wife of Elimelech, and Elimelech chose to go down to this 
other land trying to find food because there was famine in the land God had promised to him. And if you'll remember, right after that he dies. It didn't work out too well, him going away from God's will. And it never works out too well when we go away from God's will. And so Elimelech dies, but not only does he die, but both of his sons die. And then after his sons are now dead, you've got Naomi and her two daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth. And if you'll remember how they responded to their trial now down in Moab, as Naomi grieved, looking at the physical circumstances, Orpah, she left. Do you remember what happened? She kissed her her mother-in-law and went home because Naomi said, well, just go back to your family now. She was in such grief, she turned bitter. But then Ruth clung to Naomi and said, I'm going to go wherever you go. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. I'm never going to leave you. Only let death part us. And so we see that we have three ways we can respond to the trials of life. We can, when, it, when it comes to our relationship with God, we can grieve, we can leave, or we can cleave. We can grieve and just be bitter, or we can just walk away from God, or we can hold even tighter to Him. And then lastly, we saw, having been brought to the end of herself, Naomi had one of two ways she could respond, either in brokenness or in bitterness. And if you remember how the story ended, it comes right into chapter 2, it ends with her coming home after being gone 10 years. Her name Naomi means pleasant. And when she shows up, they said, oh, is it the pleasant one? And she said, don't call me pleasant, call me bitter. Don't call me pleasant, call me Mara. Mara means bitter. Now, what a great testimony. You know, don't call me pleasant. You know, things have gone bad for me. And, you know, instead of being broken and running back to the Lord, she comes back seeking not a right relationship with God, but just seeking some food and a place to be. And she comes back and she's bitter instead of being broken. And each one of us can do one of those two things when we go through trials and difficulty. And remember that the trials they went through were consequences of their sin. They had walked away from God. That's not always the case. Sometimes the trials come when we're obedient, but the trials can also come. There are more, not as much trials as there are consequences for sin when we walk away from the Lord. So tonight we pick up with the story in chapter 2 with Naomi and Ruth back in Bethlehem. Now they had left Bethlehem, the house of bread, to go down to Moab looking for bread. And again... It's very obvious to us, you don't leave the house of bread to go look for bread. And they had left the house of bread, and they found no bread, and they come back to the house of bread, and guess what's waiting for them? Bread. They never should have left. They go and they leave Bethlehem, they go down to Moab to these cursed people, and now they've been brought back into Bethlehem. Naomi is bitter, Ruth is with her, they're in a tough situation because they're both widows, they don't have... Uh, anybody to provide for them, they would have to trust in strangers helping them, or as we're going to see tonight, Ruth stepping out to minister to her mother-in-law by providing for her. Now, Naomi comes back to her own land bitter, Ruth comes to the land, leaving her own pagan land, seeking to know the true and living God. And we'll see that in tonight's text, that she really has a heart to know God, and that is why she has come. And we're going to see a great deal about the heart and the attitude and the character of this young Moabite woman who, though surrounded by bitterness and uncertainty, didn't murmur or complain about her desperate circumstances. Instead, she faithfully faithfully stepped out with the heart of a servant to provide for her mother-in-law, Naomi. She didn't expect Naomi to pray. She didn't get there and go, okay, Naomi, this is your hometown. 
You're going to have to take care of us. Instead, she got there and said, Lord, how can you use me? Can I encourage you? If you don't hear anything else I say tonight, may you walk out of here with that attitude, Lord, how can you use me? God desires to use every single one of us. And no matter what you're going through, and if you are bitter, you need to repent. Because bitterness is not of God. Amen? We just prayed about all the things we're thankful for. We only get bitter when we take our eyes off of God and we put our eyes on our circumstances. And you know what? I love the heart of Ruth and her commitment to Naomi and to the God of Israel that was unwavering. Your people will be my people. She didn't murmur about the loss of her husband. She didn't murmur about being left childless and a widow. She didn't worry about what tomorrow would bring. But instead, she decided to just be faithful to today. And I want to say this. In ministry, this is so prevalent. So often, people are making plans for five years from now. I talk to people all the time, oh, i got this plan, I'm going to go through all these things, and then at some point, I'm going to serve God. You know what? I don't believe God ever honors that. God doesn't want you to tell Him about your 10-year plan or your 5-year plan or or anything like that. You know what God wants you to do? Serve Him today. Just start serving Him today and let Him take care of tomorrow. Now, I'm not saying you can't make some plans, but you know what? What you ought to plan to do more than anything else is honor the Lord today. And pray about the divine appointments today. And you know what's going to happen in Ruth's life? She's simply going to say, okay, we have no food. We have no bread. I'm going to honor God today. And as she's just being obedient to honor God today, she's going to see the sovereign hand of God and His mighty grace do exceedingly abundantly above all that she could possibly ask or think. God is just looking for those who will be faithful right now. Not five years from now, not three years from now. There's always going to be a reason to push it off. When I get enough money in the bank, when my kids are a little bit older, when I finally get them all into school, when they're finally all in high school, when all the kids are out of the house, when the grandkids are now in school. I mean, you know, we just keep going and going and going and waiting for the day. And you know what? Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day that God wants to use us. This is the day that the Lord has made. Amen? And we will rejoice and be glad in it. And Ruth comes in with a just a, a, not a, as deep an understanding of who God is as Naomi. And Naomi's bitter, and Ruth just says, Okay, Lord, I'm here. You brought me here. And Lord, I have nothing coming. But Lord, I'm just going to try to be faithful. And so let's take a look. And I, if you're a note taker, there's three points to the message. And the title of the message is God's Sovereign Hand of Grace. God's Sovereign Hand of Grace. Point number one is stepping out in simple faith. Just stepping out in simple faith. And we're going to see Ruth do that. And as then number two, we're going to see that when we step out in faith, that we experience God's incredible grace. Then we step out in faith, we experience God's grace. And then thirdly, we're going to see that God's grace in our lives impacts the lives of others. Not only do when we step out, do we experience the grace of God and see God do a work, but then that work has an impact on the people around us. So let's begin looking at the, this chapter 2 of Ruth, God's sovereign hand of grace. First point, stepping out in simple faith and in obedience to God's word. Look what it says there in verse 1. There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth, of the family of Elimelech, His name was Boaz. Now, Boaz is being introduced to the story. He's the the next character. We've had Elimelech, and we've had, you know, uh, Malon and Chilion, the two sons who died, and we've had Naomi and Ruth, and now Boaz is being introduced. 
But I want you to see a couple important points here. It says there, there was a relative of Naomi's husband. Now again, Naomi means pleasant. Elimelech means my God is king. But they had fled away when the famine came into the, out of the land of promise, leaving the house of bread behind. Ten years later, they've come back and they come back at harvest time. That's important. They come back and they're harvesting the, the barley. And as they come back, it, said, it introduces us to this man who is a relative of Naomi's husband. Now, we talked about this on that Sunday morning, that there was something called the kinsman redeemer. The word in Hebrew is goel. He is the redeemer. He is the one who when someone is in debt or when someone is uh, broken or even they could even take someone who is imprisoned and they could go and release them if they would pay their debt for them. But there was also something called the Leverite law. It was a law of marriage where if somebody, if a, somebody died and the younger brother was not married yet and this husband and wife didn't have any children, then the younger brother was to marry his older brother's wife and the first child would actually be considered a descendant of the older brother who had died. Talked about how this would create an interesting conversation around the dinner table when the older brother came home with a girlfriend. Yeah, really, I'm, where is she? I, wanna, I might get stuck with her, right? And so there was this Leverite law, but it could also pass on to other relatives, and this is the situation. Understand that Naomi and Ruth are coming back, and Naomi has given up. You remember, she sent Orpah home and said, if you come with me, I'm never going to have any more kids. And even if I did, they would never be old enough to marry you. So if you come with me, basically you're limiting yourself to living a barren life. So why don't you go back to your pagan gods and go back and find somebody to marry you among your own people. Naomi is not only bitter, but she's faithless at this point. But Ruth comes and Ruth simply says, you know what, I believe your God is God, and I'm going to go with you, and I'm going to cling to that God, and you know what, if I'm a widow the rest of my life, so be it. She's got the right heart. What a contrast between this woman who grew up in a pagan land, and this woman who grew up in the land flowing with milk and honey, and the one who had grown up around God's people was bitter, and the one who had grown up amongst pagan idolatry, had, God had gotten a hold of her life. And you know what, we see that in the world today as well. Know this, God will allow us to go through trials because He wants to change our hearts. You know what, God wants what's best for you. And because He wants what's best for you, He will allow you to go through difficulty because He knows the end result is what's best for you. And we need to learn to understand that. And Ruth and Naomi are in the midst of this difficult time, but God is allowing these circumstances that their hearts might change. He wants us to be conformed to His image. Not comfortable, but conformed into the image of the Lord. So the word there for a relative is a kinsman. Now it says a man of great wealth. Now I love this because as I took the time to study this in the original language, it doesn't give the complete picture when it says a man of great wealth. Because it doesn't just mean a man who has worldly wealth and riches. It means a man of great character, a man of great faith, a man of mighty valor, and a man of the word. So he wasn't just a guy who had money. He wasn't just a guy who owned property. He wasn't just a guy who you know, had, a, had a lot of crops. But he was a man of God, a man of valor, and a man of the word. You know what, as a dad... That's a description you want to hear for the young man that marries your daughter. You know, as a, 
That's where you want your sons to grow up to be. And that's the kind of man that this man Boaz was. He was a mighty man of God. Now remember, he was a mighty man of God during the time of the judges, which was a very ungodly time. When everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes, here was this man Boaz. When the famine came, he didn't leave. God had blessed him. He had prospered. And he is a relative of Naomi, who Naomi obviously did not even know existed or didn't remember that he was still there. She's going to be reminded about him as we go through the text. His name was Boaz. Boaz means standing in strength. And that's the kind of man that he was. He is all this during the time of the judges, when everyone's doing what is right in their own eyes. As we're going to see as we move on, Boaz is a picture of Jesus. Boaz is a picture of Jesus. He is the kinsman redeemer. Who's our redeemer? I know we got turkey tomorrow, but are we napping already? Or Did you guys have an early turkey sandwich, tryptophan kicking in, or what? Our Redeemer is? There we go. Praise the Lord. All right. That's good. Sometimes I feel like the old youth pastor in me has to come out. All right. Now it says in verse 2, So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him, in whose sight I find favor. Now, what I love about this is this means that Ruth was at least listening to the word, if not reading it herself. Because she knew that there was a law in place for the poor within God's people. And the way that it worked was that those who had lands, when they harvested, they were to leave the corners and leave the edges. And when they went through to harvest... In the center portion, they were only to go through once. And so anything that fell to the ground was to be left. And then those who were poor, those who had need, could go in behind them and they called it gleaning. They'd be reaching down and picking up the scraps that were left on the ground. Now I love this. This is the greatest welfare system I've ever seen. And of course it is because God created it. If I was ever president, which would never happen, but if I was... I would create the gleaning welfare system. And when, the way it would work is that you're going to get provided for, but you've got to show up. Because this what not, did not happen. They had to get up, the widows or the poor, and they had to go out and had to... The food was laying there for them, but they had to show up to get it. They did not FedEx packages of barley to people's houses while they were sitting and watching TV and eating bonbons. Amen? They made them get up and go to work, and show up, and the food was there. You know, in the office, this is one of the things we struggle with most often. It's very rare that, you know, a day or two goes by when people aren't calling and asking, and we, we love to supply the needs of those who God would call us to, but God, God says, God's Word says, a man who does not work shall not eat. And so we're not going to prop up sinful behavior. If we're being lazy, we should not reward laziness. Amen? We don't reward that. We encourage and exhort people. So this was God's welfare system. And I love Ruth. Here she is a widow. She's not looking for a handout. She says, okay, we're in this system. This is what the Word of God says. And, she, and I love this part. She's submitted to Naomi, Miss Bitter. Isn't it hard to submit to the bitter one? And she turns to Miss Bitter and asks permission. Now maybe you work for Mr. or Mrs. Bitter. God has still called you to submit to them. Amen? 
Because God has put them in... So here's Ruth. She's a submitted woman. She's a godly woman. She's clinging to, to Naomi and she asks for permission and she knows the word of God and she's disciplined and she's diligent and all she's going to do is go out seeking to get bread for today. She says, look, we're here. We have no bread. I'm going to go out and be faithful because that's what God would have me to do to get bread not only for myself but for my mother-in-law. And just being that simple, and that, she doesn't have a five-year plan. Maybe I'll go out today and I'll be able to invest. It. She just said, you know what, today we need food. I'm going to go out. That's what the law says. I'm going to ask for permission from Naomi, and then I'm going to go out and be faithful to what God would call me to do to help provide for my mother-in-law. And I love Ruth's character. Took the word of God to heart. She asked for permission and then she said, after, whom, after him in whose sight I might find favor. This is a complete act of faith because as a stranger, she didn't know who owned the various parcels of land that made up the fields. And no doubt was praying, Lord, show me the field you have for me. Lord, I'm going to go out and I don't know where I'm going. How many of you feel like that? Lord, I don't know where I'm going, but Lord, I know you want me to go, so I'm going to go, and Lord, you show me the place where you want me to be. You show me the field you want me to glean in. And Naomi's response was, and she said to her, go, my daughter. Now, that sounds pretty good, but we got any prayer going on here? Any encouragement? Oh, God bless you, Ruth. You know, maybe I should come with you. Or Ruth, well, let me pray for you. Or Ruth, I know this, the people in this land. Let me tell you where you should go. She just says, go. Miss Bitter just tells her to go. And she doesn't get upset that she's not going with her. But in God's sovereign hand of grace, she receives permission from her bitter mother-in-law, and she steps out. Verse 3. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. Now, if you read that, it would sound like it was a coincidence. There are no coincidences with God. And it happened, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. Now, in those days, fences didn't have, fields didn't have fences. They're all right next to each other. And she goes out and just starts gleaning in the field, and she ends up in Boaz's field. You think God had anything to do with that? Of course He did. You know what? Coincidences, I like this definition, is when God does a miracle and remains, remains anonymous. You know, God is always in control. Amen? He's always in control. And the fact that she showed up, she was just going out being faithful. This is what God has in front of me. I'm going to go do it for the Lord. I'm going to do it with my whole heart. She ends up in this field. She doesn't know who it belongs to. And she just starts being faithful to glean in the field. But I love how when we step out in faith and we walk in obedience, that God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And here we're going to see God's sovereign hand of grace reaching out and touching this young widow and ministering to her, not as she's sitting at home and calling every church in town looking for help. She didn't sit at home and have a prayer circle and say, Oh Lord, what are you going to do? She said, Okay Lord, I know what your word says and I'm going to act upon it and I'm going to be faithful to it and let's watch and see what God does. And we're going to watch and see God do great and awesome things. It wasn't by chance she ended up in Boaz's field. And she's just moving in a natural way, but God does a supernatural work. And it's not by chance that you work where you work, 
that you live where you live, it's all a part of God's sovereign plan. It's not going to be by chance who you sit next to tomorrow at Thanksgiving. Amen? God's going to divinely appoint that. And when we start looking at life as a group of divine appointments set about by God, we might be more sensitive to the leading of His Spirit to be used by the Lord. I want to encourage you. Be praying every day. Now, Ruth is a type of you and I because here she is hungry, desperate. She's a lost foreigner. She doesn't really know where to go. She just sets out and trusts God. And you know what's great about this? The Lord provides for her by His grace. And that's what He's done for every one of us in this room. By His grace, He has provided for us. So God sent people our way through divine appointments as well. So God's sovereign hand of grace, stepping out in simple faith and obedience to God's word. It says there, she went to the field belonging to Boaz, who was a family of Elimelech. Okay, Elimelech is Naomi's husband. So this is now a kinsman redeemer for Naomi's family. So point number two, not only stepping out in faith, number two, we see experiencing God's incredible grace. God's sovereign hand of grace at work. Look at her experience, God's incredible grace. Verse four. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. Now I love this. If you underline stuff in your Bible, Boaz is a type of whom? Jesus. And where did Boaz come from? Bethlehem. Do you think that's by chance in the Bible? Are you guys awake? Okay. Nothing happens by chance. If I say if it's by chance in the Bible, you already know the answer. Amen? Right? My youth group's kids just yelled Jesus at everything, and that was right most of the time. (laughs) Who do you think? Jesus! Oh, yeah, that's right. But the point here is that I love that Boaz came out of Bethlehem. The Redeemer's coming out of Bethlehem to minister to Ruth, just like our Redeemer came out of Bethlehem to minister to every single one of us. Amen? He came out of the house of bread, and he is the bread of life. Now look how he, he greets his workers. Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. Now, wouldn't you love to go to a place of work where your boss told you that every morning? Wouldn't you love your boss to come in every morning and go, The Lord be with you. Oh, man, praise God. Now, the guys who work for me actually do get to hear that. But here's the point. This is a man living in the time of judges when everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. This place is extremely ungodly. And here's Boaz The Lord be with you. Literally, he said, Jehovah be with you. Why is that significant? Because they were serving the false gods of this world. Then it says, And they answered him, The Lord bless you. This shows us something about the heart and character of Boaz. He spoke openly of Jehovah in a time when God's chosen people in rebellion. But apparently, his workers loved him and had a good relationship with him. You know, you can learn a lot about the character of a man or a woman by seeing how he relates to those that work for him or work with him. And do you see the relationship? Even though Boaz is the boss, he's got a loving relationship with the reapers in the field, a loving relationship with those who serve him. Verse 5, Then Boaz said to his servants, to his servant who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? Now, I have no proof of this, but I think Boaz is already smitten right here. 
I think he looks down. Now, you've got to understand, there's a lot of other women gleaning, too, and there's a lot of guys out there reaping. And he looks down, and he sees her and says, oh, what, what do we got here? Who's this? Who does this young woman belong to? And he looks down, and he caught the eye of this stranger, and a, a lovely one at that. And notice God's sovereignty. Boaz comes into the field. Ruth is in the field. Boaz shows up in the field, and as we're going to see, part of the time, Ruth would be resting in a, the, the house, the place that was on the property where they would go and rest. She wasn't resting at that moment. She hadn't gone home to Naomi at that moment. When Boaz comes out to inspect the field, he catches the eye of Ruth. You know what? That's our God. Our God is sovereign enough to do that, amen? Boaz isn't striving. Boaz isn't at the saddle rack looking for a wife, Amen. Boaz isn't out hunting. Boaz is just being faithful to what God's called him to do. Ruth is just being faithful to what God's called her to do. And look what happens. And we're going to see how this is going to blossom into what God had foreordained before the foundation of the world. I love it. Now, it was God's plan for them to meet, so they did. And we commit our ways to the Lord. What happens to us happens by divine appointment, not by accident. Verse 6 and 7. So the servant who was in charge of the reaper said, It is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. Now, you think Boaz might have been excited to hear that. What's the answer? Yes. Why? He's Naomi's kinsman redeemer. Right? Wait a minute. So this is the, oh, Boaz thinking, hey, hey now. This is going to be the Lord right here. Look at what God's doing. Boaz is just being faithful to serve. He finds out who the young woman is. He realizes, hey, well, Naomi is my family. That makes me one of the kinsmen redeemers of her family. And this young woman, her, oh, I know the story. Her husband died. And I also know, we're going to see in verse 11, that she was faithful to her mom. She must be a pretty god, her mother-in-law. She must be a godly young woman. Uh, you know, and again, maybe I'm seeing too much in this, but I got an idea. Boaz is pretty fired up. And we're going to see it because he stops being focused on the harvest and starts being focused on Ruth all of a sudden. Take a look. Watch. Now, the sovereign hand of God. Watch what he does. And she said, this is him speaking of Naomi. And she said, please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. You know what I love about this? This continues to show the character of Ruth. Because Ruth came and asked for permission to glean. Now, didn't I already tell you that the Word of God said that they could? What's, could she have just gone and done it anyway? What's the answer? But we see the character, and we see the submissiveness of this young woman who goes in and asks for permission, and then notice that the servant's been watching her. And he says, you know, she came and asked for permission, and you know what? She's been diligent to work all day long, only taking a temporary break in the house, but she's been diligent. Now, I love this because, once again, Ruth is serving the Lord, and people are watching, and she probably doesn't even know it. You know, the same is true for us. People are watching even when you don't know it. And here's the testimony coming back to Boaz about Ruth, 
Ruth has no idea they're even talking about her. She showed up because this is what God would have her to do, to supply food for herself and her mother-in-law. She's not looking for a handout. She's looking to be faithful to the Lord. She's just doing what's in front of her. And look what God's doing in His sovereign hand. He's got much greater plans in store, doesn't He? Much greater plans in store. God takes initiative to provide for this woman, to bring her into a family. And as we know... This chance meeting has major significance in history, doesn't it? Because it's not a chance meeting. God foreordained it. And we know that Ruth, great, Ruth's great-grandson is David. And in the line of Ruth is Jesus. And so the kinsman redeemer is going to marry her. And in her lineage is going to be the redeemer for all of mankind. And so I'm so glad that God brought Boaz to the field right about that time. Amen? Because it's had a great impact on my life and yours too. See, the sovereignty of God is such a great thing. Because nothing happens by chance. Because everything is in His hand. And I love her heart. And she's continued all night under inspection. She's doing a good job. She made an impression both on the supervisor and on Boaz. And it's so important that we too would work that way before those God has called us to serve. And again, we see the evidence of God's grace in the way Boaz is going to relate to Ruth. Look what he says. Then Boaz said to Ruth, You will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean to another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. Now I love this, because this is why I think he is absolutely smitten. Now you know, you can glean here, but you can, you know, if you want, you can just glean here every day. Why don't you come back here tomorrow? And matter of fact, why don't you stay clear near my young women? You know what he's saying? Stay away from the guys. Here's what I want you to do. The guys are over there. You just follow the women around, and you just come to my field every day, and we'll make sure you're taken care of. And again, we see Boaz showing her grace. Again, a picture of the kinsman redeemer who shows us grace, our redeemer, Jesus Christ. As we step out in faith, he shows grace toward us. He takes initiative with Ruth, just as our Savior does with us. He made the first move toward her, just as our Savior made the first move for us. Amen? And reached out to us in love. We love Him because He first loved us. Salvation is not an afterthought. God planned it before eternity. Then He speaks to her. The mighty man of valor stopped what He was doing and focused on and spoke to this foreign widow. Almighty God stopped what He was doing took on humanity, came to earth, lived a sinless, perfect life, suffered and died in our place, died, rose from the dead, and He's coming back. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. It was all foreordained, and He did it for us. And we should never take that for granted. And then it said, when He tells her, don't go glean, He tells her, stay with the young women. Again, He wanted her to remain there, stay, and wanted to continue to bless her going forward. Verse 9. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? I'm telling you, this guy was over already. Now, understand that when we walk with the Lord, He also not only provides for us, but He protects us. Nothing can happen to us unless God says so, amen? What about these GFA brothers who are beaten for their faith? It only happens if God allows it. You mean God allows sometimes for us to be beaten? Well, let me ask you a question. Was He beaten for us? 
So sometimes we need to understand that God's ultimate design is us to be conformed to His image and Him to be glorified in our lives. And if that means once in a while we're going to be persecuted, then bring it on because that's what it's all about. God being glorified in our lives. Amen? And so this is the situation. I've got protection for you. I've got provision for you. Boaz is pouring out grace upon her. She's probably thinking, how in the world? I've done nothing. And at this point, she still has no clue that Boaz is the kinsman redeemer for Naomi's family. She's not going to find that out till the very end of the chapter. Of the chapter. So she, he's telling the guys to stay away from her. Then he says... And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. He says, you know, when you're thirsty, you don't have to draw your own water. You don't have to bring your own water. You just go, you know, those guys are working hard and they draw the water. You just drink right out of the pitcher. Now, most people who gleaned, they didn't have that ability. But Boaz is taking a shine to Ruth. And he's saying, you know, you be in my field. You stay away from the guys. I'm going to protect you. We're going to provide for you. And when you're thirsty, there's going to be water available. You know what's awesome? Jesus said, if any, if, any of you come, if any of you thirst, come to me and drink. And I will give you living water. There's so many pictures of Christ in this, in this four chapters. It's incredible. He gives us living water, amen? And it's not something we have to strive for, but he gives it to us freely. He will pour it out on us and we will simply ask. And here's Boaz, the kinsman redeemer. And here he has telling her, the water's available to you. You just go and drink anytime you're thirsty. And Jesus would tell us the same thing to come to him. So in Boaz's field, Ruth would find companionship with the young women, protection and refreshment. Verse 10. So she fell on her face and bowed down to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? Ruth's response was one of humility and gratitude. She acknowledged her own unworthiness, and accepted his grace. How have I found favor? I'm a foreigner, I'm a pagan. How have I found favor? How many of you feel like that when you talk to God? How have I found favor? Lord, what have I done to earn the incredible grace you've given me? For you to be my redeemer. For you to make your living water available to me at no cost to me. Lord, to feed me, to protect me, to watch over me, to care for me. Lord, I've done nothing worthy of this incredible love and grace on your part. But Lord, I'm so glad that you've given it to me. Amen? And this is where Ruth is at. She's feeling unworthy and she's bowing down and she's saying, I'm not worthy of this. I don't deserve such grace. I'm a foreigner and I just love her attitude. Some of of us would have to have said, "It's, it's about time you noticed me, right? I've been working here all day. I'm the number one gleaner out here if you've been paying attention. I mean, some people would be like that. You know, God, I'm, God, why don't you kick me something down once in a while? And people do that. They go before God and they're demanding of God and they're telling God what He ought to be doing and they're giving God directions. We don't give God directions when we pray. God doesn't need my directions, amen? And I hope He didn't listen to any of yours either, amen? I want God to do what God knows is best for my life, amen? Now, we do intercede on behalf of others, but we always pray according to His will. Not my will, but thy will be done. And we see this heart of Ruth, broken before God, not demanding of Boaz, just thankful. Ruth doesn't ask, 
why hard things had come, but instead she asked why good things had come. A heart of thankfulness for God's grace, not one that boasts as if she had earned or deserved anything. Verse 11, And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and have come to a people who you did not know before. You know what? One thing about living in a small town like Bethlehem, everybody knows your business. And the word had already gotten to Boaz about Naomi's daughter-in-law and how faithful she had been and how she had come with her to Bethlehem and how she had been caring for her and ministering to her, the word was out. You know what? Your testimony is always going in front of you. And if you don't think people know, they will find out. And know that your testimony is something that can impact others for the kingdom of God. So too, again, this this Boaz knowing all is a picture of how God sees all in our lives. Our God is omniscient. He's omnipresent. He knows all. He sees all. Boaz was both touched and blessed by, by Ruth's devotion to Naomi. Look at verse 12. The Lord repay your work. A full reward be given to you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Boaz says, because you've trusted God, you're going to be blessed. Because you're, you're honoring the Lord, you're going to experience His grace. He chooses us, He delivers us, we respond, then He blesses us. What a great God. He does all the work, we simply say, oh, yes, Lord, I'll take it, then He blesses us. What a great God we serve. Ruth's ultimate blessing and protection was not from Boaz, but from the Lord. And I love this, under the wings. What a picture. It says in Psalm, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I, I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. Surely He will deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers, and under His wings shall thou trust. His truth shall be my shield and my buckler. You know, I love the fact that God has covered us in His wings. I love that we're not far away from God, but we're near unto Him, and He's got us covered. The Lord got me covered. Amen? And aren't you glad that He's got us covered? And then she, her response. Then she said, Verse 13, let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. There's a polite way of saying thank you. Ruth was overwhelmed by his kindness. For you have comforted me, she says. Ruth's focus was not on her circumstances, but God's promises. She doesn't say You know, I've been through a lot of difficulty. All she says is, thank you so much for comforting me. And in Hebrews 12, it tells us that we are fixed our eyes upon Jesus. The reason so many people struggle today is because their focus is on their circumstances. when When it should be on Christ, His promises, His faithfulness, His grace. I read this little poem recently. It says, look at self, be distressed. Look at others, be depressed. Look at Jesus and you'll be blessed. And I like that. 
Look at self, be distressed. Look at others, be depressed. Look at Jesus and you'll be blessed. And that's exactly what we ought to be doing no matter what our trials are like. Don't be distressed. Don't be depressed. Get your eyes on Jesus and you will be blessed. Verse 14. Now Boaz said to her at mealtime. Now notice this. This guy, this is one of the gleaners, right? He says to her at mealtime, come here and eat bread and dip your bread dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed parched grain to her and she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. You know what's happening? The gleaners usually had to fend for themselves. He's not only smitten by her and wants to continue to provide for her, but now he says, well, why don't you come at the table and eat with me? But I love this because notice what they eat at the table, the table of the Redeemer. They have bread and vinegar. Now, this is wine vinegar. So they're having bread and wine at the table of the Redeemer. This is a picture of communion. The Redeemer, He brings her to the table out of His grace. How do we get to the table of our Redeemer? By His grace. By His grace and by His blood and by His broken body. And here we have yet another picture of Jesus in the Old Testament. They're all over the book. Come and dine with me. Isn't that what the Lord says to us? He wants us to dine with Him. Set with the reapers. Again, my opinion. Those who are reaping the harvest, to me that's a picture of the believers. They're reaping the harvest. They're bringing in the harvest. Why it is the harvest, but the laborers are few, Jesus would later say. And these are the guys reaping the harvest, and she goes from being a foreigner to because of her relationship with the Redeemer, she's sitting with the reapers, with the other believers, joined in fellowship with them as they take a picture of communion. What a, I just love the Bible. Does the Bible rock or what? you got to love the Bible. She sits with the reapers, she joins in fellowship, and it says Ruth was satisfied. Amen to that. If you're sitting at the table of Almighty God, there's no other place where you're going to be more satisfied. And she had enough to eat, and notice she even held some back to take back to Miss Bitter when she gets home, right? And it says there, verse 15, And when she arose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young man, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. Now look at this. He doesn't say, she doesn't just get the scraps. You let her glean where the good stuff is. With the stuff that hasn't even been... You let her glean wherever she wants. You know, God didn't save you to give you the scraps. He came that you might have life and life more abundant. Amen? And He wants to bless you and do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. And he, Boaz the Redeemer says, you let her go wherever she wants. And then I really love this. Look what it says. Verse 16. Also let grain from the bundles fall purposely to her and leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. You know, when you're going along with the wagon full of... Just kick a few off right in front of her. <laughs> just get a big old bundle of grain. And when she's, you know, she's down there picking up scraps, just, when she's not looking, kick off a whole bundle right in front of her and just let her pick it up. Don't you love this? Now, don't tell me this guy's not taken with Ruth. Amen? But the point is, God is taken with you. He'd rather die than live without you. You are his treasured possession. He loves you so incredibly much. He's numbered the hairs on your head. He knows every detail of your life. 
You're the thing that he longs for most is intimate fellowship with you. And the way that Boaz is so gracious toward Ruth is just a small glimpse of how gracious God is toward us. Amen? And why we ought to be so thankful to him. Look what happened. She just went out. This has been a pretty good day. She just said, okay, Lord, uh, you know, this is what the word says. I'm going to go out. I'm just going to go glean in the field. Lord, give me some direction. Miss Bitter sent me out, not with much, but I'm going to go anyway. She shows up. God brings her to the land of Boaz. Boaz comes along. He sees her. He knows the story about her. He says, you come here as long as you want. Matter of fact, come and dine with me. And no, guys, just let her glean wherever she wants. Matter of fact, kick off some bundles in front of her. Been a pretty good day. Now, what's going to happen is she's going to go home. And God's sovereign hand of grace is not only going to minister to her, but it's going to minister to others. When God pours out His grace upon you, when God's sovereignty is at work in your life and you're walking in obedience to Him, it not only blesses you, but it impacts others. So the last point, God's grace in our lives impacts the lives of others. Look at verse 17. So she gleaned in the field until evening and beat out what she had gleaned and it was about an ephah of barley. Okay, she had gathered enough in one day to feed her and Naomi for a week or two. Now, Naomi might have been hoping that she'd gathered up enough, you know, this dust of what had been collected to make, you know, a, a, a half a loaf of bread or something. And instead, she's coming home with a wheelbarrow full. And God's going to use his blessing upon her life to impact Naomi. But notice how faithful Ruth was. She worked all... She didn't say, ooh, he kicked a bundle in front of me. I'm done then. No, it's good. I don't got to work anymore. There's a bundle. Let's just take that and go. She continued to work all day. And after working, she didn't just stop with the bar itself, but she had to beat it and she had to, what she had gleaned. And then, you know, she had to winnow it. And then eventually she finally came up with what she needed to make food. You know, it's a picture to me of how we ought to be with the Word of God. Not just digging into it, stooping over and gathering every grain, picking up one grain at a time, holding it into our hands, taking it home and threshing it, and then being nourished by it. And that's exactly what happens as she's gathering barley. Verse 18. Then she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what, what she had gleaned. So she brought out and gave to her what she had kept back after she had been satisfied. So not only does she have a wheelbarrow full of barley, but she brings back the rest of her lunch that she had been given when she sat and ate with Boaz, and she gives it to Naomi. Ruth is such a faithful young woman. And what a picture for us. Now how is Naomi going to respond to Ruth's long and fruitful day? Remember when she left, she left Miss Bitter at home, right? She was bitter, call me Mara, don't call me, don't call me Naomi. Yeah, go ahead and go if you're going to go. But watch how she responds. Verse 19, and her mother-in-law said to her, where have you gleaned today? And where did you, where did you work? She's like, where in the world? Where did you get all this? You're supposed to come back with a handful, not a wheelbarrow full. What in the, where have you been? Whose field did you go in? Who in the world was it? Who had blessed you. Look at it says, Blessed be the one who took notice of you. She brought back so much grain, she knew something was up. 
She knew this didn't happen by her getting on her hands and knees and picking up little pieces off the ground. She knew that somebody was showing her favor, and she said, Who is the one? And blessed is the one. Her fruitful day had brought curiosity to the heart of Ruth to find out more. Now look what she says. And this is going to make, this is going to make Miss Bitter back to being Miss Pleasant. So she told her mother-in-law of whom she had worked and said, The man's name who I worked for today is Boaz. Now, Naomi, hearing this, is going to be excited. Look what it says. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. What happened to Miss Bitter? What happened to Miss Sour? What happened to call me Mara? Now look at her. She's saying God has shown kindness to the living and to the dead. You know what she's saying? God is not only blessing Ruth and Naomi, but she's rem- he's remembering Elimelech and Chilion and Malon who have died. And God has stepped up and used Boaz to take their place and to minister to us. Again, when we step out in faith, And when God, in His sovereign hand, pours out His grace upon us, it not only ministers to us, but it impacts people who are around us. And then, look what she says. And Naomi said to her, This man is a relation of ours, one of our close relatives. And the direct translation there is, one of our goels, one of our kinsmen redeemers. In the NIV, it says, He is one of our kinsmen, redeemers. Naomi thought coming home meant the end of the line, and now she knows that redemption is possible. Now she knows that the line of her family does not have to die, that it can continue on because there's a kinsman, redeemer. And when we come to the realization that Jesus Christ is God, we come to the clear realization that this is not the only life. And at the end of this life, it won't be over, but instead, it's only the beginning. And this is what is happening in the heart of Miss Bitter. Now it says in verse 21, Ruth the Moabitess said, He also said to me, You shall stay close by my young what? Isn't that amazing how that changed? Stay close by my young men, she says. What did he tell her? Young women. See? Young women, see, she's thinking, he said, stay close by my young men. He said young women, but that's all right. Now, let's read on. Until they have finished all my harvest. This is the barley harvest. After the barley harvest comes the wheat harvest. He says, you stay in my field every single day. We're going to provide for you the same way we did today, not just through the barley harvest, but all the way through the wheat harvest. What incredible blessing. All she did was go out and try to find, gather up enough bread for one day. And God's radically impacting their life and impacting the lives of others by His grace through her simple obedience to do what was right in front of her. May that be a lesson for all of us. Let's finish up. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women. Now you notice the older woman is correcting the younger woman. She said young men, and she got it right back to, no, hang out with the young women. And that's good. We need that in the church today. Older women ministering to the younger ones. That the people do not meet you in any other field. So she stayed close by the young women of Boaz to glean until the end of the barley harvest and the wheat harvest. And she dwelt with her mother-in-law. Ruth listens to Naomi's counsel. Her counsel, her bitterness is now turned to joy. 
by witnessing the outpouring of God's grace upon Ruth, it had impacted Naomi to get her eyes back on God. Ruth's testimony turned bitter back into pleasant. So in closing, God's sovereign hand of grace, stepping out in simple faith, in obedience to God's word, instead of planning what you're going to do for God 10 years from now, pray and ask God what he wants you to do for him tomorrow morning. Amen? Lord, how do you want to use me today? Give me divine appointments this afternoon. Give me an opportunity tomorrow at Thanksgiving with the people around the table. Lord, as I'm driving home tonight, if I stop at the gas station, may there be a divine appointment. Lord, wherever I go, will you use my life? Second of all, God's sovereign hand of grace allows us to experience God's incredible grace in our lives even now. And then thirdly, God's grace in our lives impacts the lives of others. Isn't it awesome to see Jesus all over the Old Testament? Doesn't it bless you? Doesn't it bless you? Amen? Amen? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you, Lord, for your love and your grace. We thank you for your word. You're such a great and an awesome God. We thank you, Lord, that we don't look for any man on earth today to redeem us because you already redeemed us. We thank you, Lord, that we're forgiven. We thank you, Lord, that you've poured out your grace upon us. We thank you, Lord, that you've got a sovereign plan for our lives. Help us, Lord, to walk in the center of your will, to hear your voice and obey. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Let's stand and close the worship song.